Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're working on Payment Children's book, The Places That Scare You, for our inspiration this month. And just to catch you up on last week for just a minute, last week we talked about compassion. We learned that the idea of compassion actually strengthens us. We think perhaps as compassion is one of those soft emotions or one of those, uh, um, uh, those more light activities, and, and yet the ability to really put ourselves in someone else's shoes and extend a hand of compassion both to ourselves and others, actually what is one of the ways that we increase our ability uh, to be spiritually strong in the world. And today, uh, moving on in that theme, we're going to be talking about cultivating spiritual strength Uh, in particular. You'll know that Pima Chodron, of course, is from the Buddhist philosophy. And uh, really today I'm going to be walking you through what she calls um, the five sources of spiritual strength. So we're going to be covering five of them. A couple of them are going to seem so eerily familiar that we're not going to spend as much time on them. In fact, let's get started uh, with the first one here. Uh, The first uh, source of strength is simply called determination. And I managed, of course, to find a joke uh, to lead us off here. So somewhat skeptical of his son's newfound determination to become a bodybuilder, the father nevertheless followed the teenager over to the weightlifting department. Please, Dad, said the boy. I promise I'll use them every day. I don't know, Michael. It's really a big commitment on your part, the father pointed out. Please, Dad, I'm determined to get fit. They're not cheap either, noticed the father. I'll use them every day. You'll see. Finally won over, the father paid for the weightlifting equipment and headed for the door. From the corner of the store, though, he heard his son talking to the sales clerk. Wow, these are heavy. Can we have them delivered? And and I guess that's the key with determination, right? It's like, how determined are we? Is it a good idea? Or is it something that we're all in with? And so from the teachings of uh, Pima Chodron, she would say that part of our becoming spiritually and part of our native strength that comes from spirituality is a determination to be our best selves, to really look forward to a time when we're the person we always wanted ourselves to be. Now, in Buddhist terms, that might be considered the bodhisattva, the idea of enlightenment. And certainly, I'm not suggesting that over this next week, we're all going to become enlightened. Uh, But the idea of determination, if you will, to our spiritual progress is the key here. If we want to draw strength from that, we need to know that we're actually on a path of spiritual enlightenment. We really need to have a focus, if you will, on that idea um, that as time goes on, I become more the person I want to be. I become 
that idea of selflessness in the world. Now, it doesn't mean we have to give up our stuff. It doesn't mean we have to give up our relationships. Often, when we talk about Buddhism, people have the idea of the of the little monk in the mountain cave, right? And so, so, so trust me, I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to give up your worldly life and become solely focused here. And in fact, if you actually look at the underpinnings of the idea of the bodhisattva, the enlightened one, we're all gonna be that thing. The Buddhists would just ask you, well, how many lifetimes is it gonna take, right? <laughs> the idea we're always making, even if we don't try to, we're making spiritual progress, right? The question is just, do we wanna speed it up a little bit? Do we wanna take advantage of some of the, the benefits we would have from a more, pers- a, a more spiritual life right here and now? Uh, to make that progress uh, a little bit faster. So determination number one. Number two is being familiar with our spiritual tools. Now, if we were a Buddhist, we might have some very specific spiritual tools that we would use. But you know what? As science of mind people, many of the tools are the same. It's meditation. It's affirmation. It's the ability to be non-judgmental. It's many of the same things that we teach day in and day out right here. So it's not like we have to do anything unusual or special to become familiar with our tools, but Pima Chodron does have a hint. She says there's familiarity and there's actually putting them to use in our daily lives. So it's not just understanding the law of cause and effect. It's not just uh, occasionally doing affirmations. It's the idea that we're making progress by using our tools. So when something comes up, we say a prayer. When, when something happens that is really upsetting to us, we will actually take a break and do some meditation. Not just to regulate it to uh, you know an hour in the morning or 15 minutes uh, when you get up and sit on the ed- edge of the bed and you do a prayer that maybe your day will go well, right? It, that would be a part of it. But the idea that we leverage what we know about our spiritual practice and about uh, spiritual principles, we leverage them in everyday life. So that we're, we're kind of living them, if you will. That's this idea, this Buddhist idea of familiar, uh, being familiar with the actual tools. Not just knowing what they are, but putting them to use. Number three, and this one is going to sound like pure science of mind, the third source of Buddhist strength, and I think ours, a positive attitude. Nothing more and nothing less than recognizing that the universe is for you ultimately rather than against you. Recognizing that no matter what happened today, if we have a positive attitude, if we have a positive expectation even, Tomorrow is more apt to be filled with love and light. In fact, rather than quoting from Pima Chodron, I pulled something out of the Science of Mind textbook in Ernest Holmes. He says, we must know definitely and consistently that the universe is always for us, never against us. No matter how dreary or troubling the past may have been, the future is bright with hope and the present is a thing of joy when you expect it. So it is our expectation. It is that, that sense of, uh, why wouldn't I have a good day today? You know, that's one of, in fact, getting back to a moment with this, uh, being familiar with our tools and, uh, and techniques, it's my prayer every day. Part of my spiritual practice is simply 
to know that today's going to be fabulous, that I'm going to meet people that are enlightened and fun, that my activities are going to be rich and rewarding and productive in society, right? And, and having that prayer every day, I got to tell you, very few times does it not go that way. And when it doesn't go that way, rather than become discouraged, see, this is this idea of spiritual strength, right? My spiritual strength tells me that, yeah, something went wrong today, but it was just a thing that happened. It doesn't define me. It doesn't define the people around me. I have that optimism of knowing that in the next moment, things will be different. In the next moment, things will be better. So that's number three. Uh, in the Buddhist terms, they call it the seeds of goodness, knowing that in every moment, no matter what's going on, there is a seed of goodness planted in you. And when you nurture that seed, when you have the positive attitude, when your outlook is more on the sunny side, you are much more likely to see fruition in that direction. And I think we instinctively know that. We know that when we get up on, what do they say, on the wrong side of the bed, and, and we're kind of almost bent for grumpiness. Doesn't the world seem to respond that way? And you can work yourself up into a really darn pitiful day, can't you? And so when we stay on the positive side, we're much more likely to have that outcome. Now, number four, you know what? I almost did a sermon called The Four Spiritual Sources of Strength because I didn't want to talk about this one. Because I think Americans go on the dark side of this one. In Buddhist terms, it's called gentle reproach. Right? Reproach. Uh -huh. Some of you are already like, Ooh, he's going to talk about reproach. But the idea is we need to be our own spiritual coaches. And what I do know, almost everyone who comes here on Sunday says that they feel that their, their spiritual sense is affirmed. They feel better leaving than they came in. They have that sense of spiritual community that we have. In fact, even some coaching, and whether it's, uh, it's something that I said or whether it's someone who's in service, uh, just other congregants here, we tend to support each other in that idea of being on the positive side. But then the hour or an hour and a half is gone, we go out into the world, and who's going to coach us? Who's going to make sure that we maintain some of these ideas, some of these principles that we apply? It's like it's us. We're our own coaches. It's almost like we're the doctor doing the operation on ourselves. <laughs> it can be scary. You can feel alone. And so the idea of mild, of gentle reproachment isn't that American perspective of beating ourselves up at all. It's more the idea of the gentle, loving, coaching voice. It's more the mom who comforts the child who has spilled the milk. It's more the sense of loving yourself enough that when thoughts of judgment you come up, you almost laughingly can say, oh my gosh, there I went again, right? Now is not the time for judgment now is the time for compassion. It's when we catch ourselves having mental thoughts, you know, going down the, the rabbit hole into some craziness or, or getting wound up over something that happened instead. We can say to ourselves, now is the time to be calm, Larry. What is called for right now is not anger. 
Anger will tend to just return to me, multiplied, <laughs> right? It's like when we use our emotions in negative ways, all our emotions are good. Uh, even anger is a good emotion. It tells us that something is wrong, something we need to deal with it. But when we just amp it up and reflect it back in the world, what tends to happen? Oh my gosh, it's not useful to ourselves or other people. So this idea of reproachment, Think of it more as an idea of a coaching moment to yourself. And one of the things I loved about uh, Pima Chodron's book is she put me on uh, to a new mentor. So you know how in the Persian tradition they have uh, Mullah Nasruddin, the kind of folk herald with the, the colorful tales? Here is one in the Buddhist tradition that I did not know about it. It's a little monk called Geshe Ben. Let me read you just a little bit about his story. So in Tibet there was once a famous Dharma practitioner called Geshe Ben who neither recited prayers nor meditated in the tradition postures. His sole practice was to observe his mind very attentively and counter delusions as soon as they arose. So it's that idea of gentle reproachment. I noticed I'm thinking something that isn't healthy for myself or others. And so he would counter those delusions. So of course, I had to look him up on the internet. And, there, and like Mullen Nasruddin, there are any number of funny, because he was also apparently a very funny guy, uh, any f- uh, funny stories about Geshe Ben. So I, I, I snipped out just a couple that I wanted to share with you to kind of illustrate how this idea of gentle reproachment can work. So one day Geshe Ben was expecting a visit from his benefactors, people who were who were, were paying for him to, to be in school and feeding him. That morning he arranged the offerings on his shrine uh, in the form of the image of the three jewels. It's a, it was apparently a, just a beautiful layout of, of his shrine as an homage to his benefactors. But he examined his intentions and he realized they were not pure. He was trying to impress them. So just before he got there, he picked up a handful of dust and threw it all over the altar. Monk, just stay where you are and don't put on airs, said Geshaban. One more story. Another day, Geshaban was at the home of some patrons. At, at the, towards the end, his host left the room and Gesha thought to himself, you know, I don't have any tea at home. I, I should take a bit of their tea and then I can brew some when I get back to the hermitage. But the moment he put his hands in their bag of tea sitting on the table, he suddenly realized what he was doing. He called out laughing to himself and his patrons, thief, thief, there's a thief in the house. Come and look, cut off his hands. (laughs) So, So it's this idea of when we find ourselves doing something that's really not healthy, calling ourselves out on it, but doing it with good humor, doing it with gentleness. We want to be, be both a comfort as well as a guide to ourselves. Not creating shame, not, not making us feel like I'm never going to get this right, but rather that sense of, yes, I can do this, but I also need a little coaching. I'm on the progress route here, but when we're learning new things, what happens? We make mistakes, we stumble, the idea is we gently correct ourselves with the, the thought of that good-natured uh, changes that you might want to do with a young child who maybe is having difficulty with something's new. All right, the final one 
Let's get back to this idea for just a moment of becoming the bodhisattva, becoming enlightened. Well, if you're like me, that sounds like a stiff order. I mean, I really do kind of have that idea of the monk in the cave who has given up all uh, sense of, uh, of worldliness in order to become enlightened. And, uh, and, and a part of me, you know, it's like I like what's in my refrigerator. I, I mean, I enjoy the car I have. And so, uh, first of all, I want to suggest to you that these are not incompatible. Becoming your spiritual best does not mean that you have to give up anything. Well, well. <laughs> if it's giving up anything, it's maybe just an over-attachment to the stuff that we have. The thinking of ourselves as being kind of owned by what we have instead of us being free to enjoy the things that have come our way. If you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this idea of attachment. And when we become so firmly attached to people and things that the idea of losing them or having them change starts bringing up fear in us, then we know that we're over-attached to the things and the people that are in our lives, and we have some work to do. But we don't have to be perfect at it. And the fifth way of cultivating strength is simply to remind ourselves of our aspiration. So our aspiration is to be the best version of ourselves we can be. To be Larry 3.0, to, to, to have that sense of making progress. And in fact, this is the source of, of the homework I would suggest for you all this week. What is your best self? What does it think like? How is it different than the way you are right now? Now the answer to this is going to be a little bit different, of course, for everybody. We're all working on some parts of ourselves to, to become kinder, to become more loving, to become less judgmental, or whatever it is. And, uh, and uh, those of us who have done a little bit of inward work probably even know the avenues where you want to apply yourself. So my suggestion for homework is a little bit of journaling. What would my highest self be like? Not necessarily how would he or she behave, right? Not necessarily the outward, what do they do? But who are they inside? What level of love does he or she bring to the, the party, right? It, it's like it's about becoming rather than doing. So this is a little bit of a different exercise than we've done before. Um, I think, though, it's, it would be a lovely journaling exercise. Just You could, you could head it up. Uh, the, the heading of the writing could be something like, my most spiritual self. Or it could be on the road to being enlightened, right? And just picture yourself, maybe five years now, with good meditation, um, good compassion for others, letting go of some of the drama in your life, right? Some of the things we might want to do to improve both our lives and the lives of the people around us. Who would I be in five years? Now the idea then of aspiration, the fifth part of becoming more strong, is to seeing yourself always on the trajectory to 
that new enlightened you, that new more spiritually powerful you. So that when it comes to making a decision, wow, I'm going to get on the phone and really chew my boss out. I think to myself, does that get me closer or away from the kinder, more gentle person that I want to be, right? We begin using our aspirations where we want to end up in our daily lives. We can become, uh, we can begin having that be part of our spiritual practice as well as some of the others. Am I becoming in this moment more like the person I want to be or less like the person I want to be? So a quick review the five Buddhist notions of spiritual strength, and gosh, I gotta tell you, it would appear to apply to me, and I'm guessing that you are feeling like it applies to you too, whether we're Buddhist or not. The five are determination, that idea of yes, I am going to become better spiritually. I am going to work on my spiritual path. Number two, that's familiarity with spiritual practices and principles, really building them into your lives, knowing when cause and effect is right in your face, understanding the power of meditation, understanding that prayers and affirmations help move you forward, and applying them into your daily life. Number three, the seeds of goodness, that idea that the universe is for us, that in any moment, we can affirm the light side. We can, we can put down our kind of pissiness and upsetness and say, no, in this moment, I'm going to make a different choice. I'm going to move forward into a lighter picture of the world, recognizing that the universe is here for me. Number four is that gentle reproach. And, uh, and, and think of our, uh, of our friend uh, Geshe-Ban if you want to, right? Because the idea of reproach, reproach should be gentle and good-humored. It's that inner coach that can move you forward. And then number five, the fifth strength is our aspiration. Now you might ask, why are these all considered strengths? Why is this the path of courage and cultivating strength? When you stand... In these awarenesses of yourself, you will feel strong. If you think about it a minute, having a positive attitude will weather you through the trouble. Understanding that aspiration of, of wanting to help end the suffering of the planet. Uh, you know, today's Earth Day. That aspiration of wanting to do what's right for our fellow humans and the planet. Aspirations that move us forward help us stand in our power. We know that we cannot be blocked from doing what's right when we aspire to it. So all of these, the idea of strength is allowing us to stand in our unique and personal truths, to stand firmly in what we believe in, to, to rise up and allow ourselves to be counted for what is important to us. It's to allow us to navigate through the days when things seem really hard and troublesome, when we don't have the opportunity of just walking in that door because it's not Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to close, of course, with a prayer. But again, today's homework, that idea of who am I becoming spiritually? And then you can link up these different five areas of strength into focusing on that who you want to be. 
So let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness. There is only this one thing that I call God. And what I know about God, of course, is that it is that, uh, that first cause of all things. It is the goodness, the life, the joy, the peace, the compassion. It is all things good. And because that is true, and because I know that I am part of it, I, I am the inheritor of this kind of life, that God's joy is mine, that God's love is mine, that, that as I set my mind towards these particular aspirations of goodness and beauty and, uh, and a higher wisdom self, God responds with that hearty yes to that, giving me that inner guidance, allowing me to move forward in my spiritual evolution. And as it is true for me, it is true without question for each person within the hearing of my voice and beyond. Each of us is that personal seed of goodness. Each one of us, as we begin claiming these elements of our divine inheritance, we move forward in this life ever upward, ever more joyously. It is truly an elevation of inspiration and consciousness. And so for this, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the power and presence of God as it shows up here uh, so many Sundays. Just grateful for this grand life. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.